Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Good morning. It is time to get up with Chef Steph cooking up something special. Why curry might just be the recipe for the season second half. Meanwhile, Justin says he just wants this over. Well, here's the good news. It's going to be any day now we will explain. And then there's wheeling and dealing. How Big Blue could be the group that shakes up everything in this NFL draft. Let's do this thing, people. It's a Friday and it's time to get up. Delighted to have you with us. Squad is ready to go. Graziano's here. The offices of Greenberg and Tannenbaum are officially in session. Legler's knocking down threes. We got Brian Windhorst up early this morning being sized up for a bobblehead. And Coach Hasselbeck wakes up with us as well. Let's do this thing. Start with the game of the night, the season's second half. And it was Steph Curry putting on a show legs. No LeBron for the Lakers last night. But Steph taking care. Just watch this pass. Amazing. Like this sense of where... <laughs> Of where Wiggins was, and I love the fact Curry never even looks down there. He knows where that ball's going. Makes a quick, quick glance to make sure he finished it. That's just spectacular. And then, of course, Steph doing what he does. All these highlights are first quarter, action-packed first quarter, even on the other end. How about Anthony Davis getting into the end? Yeah, you know, Anthony Davis going to get a lot of touches, but LeBron not on the floor, demonstrating the size advantage that the Lakers have. Davis had 27 and 15, but this one was all about Steph. Just doesn't need much space. If you're late getting out there on the screen, this is what happens. See, I love these. You know, a slightly built guy that can create that kind of separation with a little nudge. 25 points at halftime for Steph Curry. And he was just getting going. Watch him just split defenders here with ease. Look at this. Behind the back dribble, then splits two defenders, then the step through, the patience to not shoot that before he wanted to, the reverse layup with English. Uh, and then finally knocking down one more three. 32 points, eight assists. Warriors cruise to an 18-point win over the LeBronless Lakers. Steph Curry, talk to me. Our season's been all over the place. And uh, for us, it's just stay in the moment, stay in the present. We know if we can get in the playoffs, we're a tough out no matter who we play. But you got to get there. So that's how we're focused on. Well, let's focus on the standings right now. If you take a look, you want to talk about a star-studded potential play-in. Look at the teams that are hovering around that area. Warriors and Lakers both currently in that range and both likely to stay in that range. And so I want to bring Wendy in here, though, because for folks who haven't been paying close attention right before the All-Star break or thereabouts, Wendy, when do you feel like things started taking a turn for these Warriors? Yeah, the last time these two teams played was on January 27th. It was a double overtime game. Came down to the last seconds. LeBron won it with a free throw. Steph Curry scored 46 points, but was so frustrated with the state of the Warriors, he ripped his jersey as he was walking off of the court. After that game, Steve Kerr, the future Hall of Fame coach, said, don't worry about it. I know we're way under 500. we We're going to figure it out. We've got this going. I don't know if I believed him, but the Warriors did. They are 9-2 cents. The number two offensive team in that run, the number seven defensive team. The big change, Clay Thompson to the bench, 
Brandon Pajemski into the starting lineup. He moves the ball. The team moves the ball. Jonathan Kuminga in this two-timeline starting lineup. Two young guys, three legacy players. Kuminga scores in the paint. Greeny, the Warriors have just had their four most prolific offensive scoring games since 1989, even hmm. more than any time in this last decade. They are flying, and amongst all those teams that you just showed in those standings, they've got the easiest schedule the rest of the way. How close are you paying attention to the Warriors maybe doing something we didn't expect down the stretch of this season? Very much so. I never buried them completely because of the number of close games they lost. Winnie just alluded to one of them, but I think the Golden State Warriors were involved in more of those games than any team in the league, and they were coming up short time and time again. So what has happened? It's, it's a really a collection of things. Andrew Wiggins has been better. He's still not super consistent offensively, but he's basically averaged about 16 in the last seven games. That's significantly better than where he was at the beginning of the year. Draymond Green has been fantastic since he came back from the suspension. He's averaging 10, 7, and 7 during this stretch. And it's just his decision-making, his pace, his energy, his defensive presence. It's all there again. Like Draymond at his peak when they were winning championships. That's what he looks like right now. Pajemski has been a critical part of this. He is a winner. He's a ball mover. He's a great decision maker. He runs down every single long rebound. He comes up with those, those winning type plays for you uh, that promotes just energy in your team. So there's a, there's a number of things across the board that are trending up. And now the Warriors are starting to win these games that they were losing earlier in the year. So no doubt. Pay attention. They're interesting. As long as Steph Curry plays, they're always interesting. But now they're actually relevant right now. That's what's different. And no LeBron last night. Very quickly, Wendy, should we be concerned about LeBron and his ankle? I am told no. This is just a maintenance situation. This is the fourth time he sat out part of a back-to-back dealing with this ankle tendinopathy. He is hoping to play tonight at home against the Spurs. Okay, so then... Putting that in context, assuming that he's healthy, and obviously that's the overwhelming assumption, I'm telling you right now ahead of time, Brian Winhorst, one of the two teams we saw last night featuring the two legendary players of their era, LeBron and Steph, one of those two teams is going to wind up in the Western Conference Finals this year. Which one are you going to tell me it's going to be? So I'm split on this. I I think the Warriors have the bigger, you know, way to grow because this first half of the season, they were so much affected by the suspensions of Draymond Green and other issues with the team that I think they're, you know, really maybe not as bad as their record shows, whereas the Lakers have been mostly healthy with their star players. But the thing about it is, Greeny, I'm probably going to lean to the Lakers because of LeBron's history of leading teams to runs in the playoffs without home court advantage. That is not something that the Warriors have been able to do much over this last decade of dominance. LeBron has won series without home court advantage like double-digit times in his career. And that's what you're talking about coming out of the play, and they just did it last year. So I feel like the Warriors have the bigger, better growth, but I feel like I would bet on, you know, the Lakers in this question. What do you think, Legs? Yeah, I'd probably lean Lakers. I agree with Wendy. It's, it's almost a coin toss, the answer to it. I'd lean Lakers because of LeBron James' ability to control a series because he could control pace. Like, physically, he can get where he needs to on the court and then beat you as a scorer or passer. You know, Anthony Davis will, because of his size and presence, will win that matchup that's in front of him. So those two players are just their physical presence. I worry about Golden State's size still. I worry about them getting a key defensive rebound at the end of a game if they have to defensively. There's still, like, some question marks about them. 
The Lakers, because of LeBron's ability to put the ball in his hands and dictate everything on the court and dictate pace and dictate how you have to play defensively and reacting to him, I would lean Lakers because of his history. We could be living in a world where LeBron James, Steph Curry, and Kevin Durant are all in the play-in. Imagine, imagine the little weekend that we would put together if we had that. So that's the big game from the West last night. How about in the East, the Knicks and the Sixers? Philly had home court advantage, but you wouldn't know it if you were watching this game on TV. All the Knicks fans, or maybe the Villanova fans, yeah. were rooting. And Greeny, even if you had it muted, you just looked at all the number of Knicks fans that stood up every time they made a basket in the lower bowl. Very bizarre to see that in the Philadelphia sports arena. Yeah, how about the the uh, acquisition here of Bogdanovich? Massive acquisitions. They're, they're going to be significantly better three-point shooting in the playoffs. That really hurt them last year. 29%. It'll be better with Bogdanovich and Burks. He was 5 for 5 from three in the first half. Knicks had a huge lead. Tyrese Maxey scored 35, bringing Philly back, making it a game in the fourth quarter, but the Knicks with the hustle and the three-point shooting. Well, and this is a theme with them. You know, when you consistently play harder than your opponent, good things happen. They run down the long rebound, and then Dante DiVincenzo, talk about being on a heater. The way he has played over the last month is incredible. Oh, it's Brunson, it's DiVincenzo, it's Hart. Every one of these guys went to Villanova. And it's basically like a reunion, and then here's McBride throwing it down. Brunson would score 21 points at 12 assists, and the Knicks win it 110 to 96. They keep pace with Boston, but for whatever that's worth, they're 10 games behind. The Celtics have extended their lead in the Eastern Conference to seven games with their win last night, so they're just running away and hiding. So let's just call this the Celtics Invitational. Uh, as, as we look ahead to what the Eastern Conference playoffs project to be. If indeed they are that windy, who gives them the toughest run for their money? Who is the biggest threat to Boston as we go down the stretch? Yeah, I do think Milwaukee, because their top end is still probably the best amongst all of these teams. I know that it's very easy to sort of give up on the Bucks at this point. Just three and seven their last ten. Their offense has cratered since Doc Rivers took over. But their defense has shown signs of improvement. And look, Dame Lillard has been in a terrible slump for, for two months now. I'm just betting that he gets out of it. And when you look at their core players, their three-man lineup of Dame Lee Lillard, Yasinokupo, Brooke Lopez, uh, those guys still are very productive when they're out there together. Chris Middleton, you hope, gets healthy. I'm not feeling great about the Bucks, but when you look at those other teams and their flaws, you feel like Milwaukee would have the best chance in a seven-game series against the Celtics. Legs. Will you allow me a massive caveat? Yes. Julius Randle. It's, I mean, <laughs> if Julius Randle comes back and he makes it back and he looks like Julius Randle the way he's played this year, I'm going with the Knicks. The depth that they have, how, much, how hard they compete, they wear you out because they are just not going to give you space. You're going to have to kill them to put them away. And now they've got enough supplemental offense around Jalen Brunson. If they didn't make the, that trade and it was really just Brunson and Randall, I wouldn't feel this way because of the inconsistency of Julius Randall in the playoffs previously. But when you go out and you add firepower, you add a Burks, you add a Bogdanovich, and these guys have playoff experience collectively, they can make shots. They can give you a 15- to 20-point game in a playoff game in a big spot. They've added two of those guys. I love the depth now around their top players. If Randall makes it back, I'm going to say the Knicks. Quickly on Randall. I mean, he, he was resting the shoulder, and then, like, weeks go yeah. by, and then I hear the word surgery. What do we know, Wendy? Well, the Knicks never were a little vague about it, but they never ruled it out, and Julius made it clear when he was on the record on Wednesday. He said, look, 
I am rehabbing. It's going well, but I can't say for sure I'm not going to have surgery. I think this is going to be one of those things, Greeny, where he does come back, tries to play, and sees how that shoulder holds up. If you have followed basketball for any length of time, you have seen players who have tried to fight through shoulder injuries. Sometimes you can. Sometimes it gets re-injured and you can't. The Knicks and Randall are betting on that he can, but it is a huge question in the entire Eastern Conference playoff picture. And boy, do I have experience with that. We dealt with this exact thing in Washington with Chris Webber. He had, I don't know, multiple dislocations, and he would just rehab it and come back and play. It would pop out again, sometimes doing something innocuous. He would just tweak it. He'd grab it. Finally, you just come to the conclusion. You're not going to be right until you get this thing surgically repaired. And that's going to be, obviously, you're going to miss a lot of time. He did it. He never really had a problem with the shoulder the rest of his career. But in the moment, it's tough to rehab your way through it. I don't know the situation with Randall, but he's got to make it back for the Knicks, for what I said about the Knicks to be true. That would be a, a real shame with the season they're having. By the way, can we show you again? We love our man, Wendy, so much, but not as much as his hometown. The Akron Rubber Ducks are honoring Wendy with his own bobblehead night in September, which is, I, I know for sure I'm going to make my way over there to see that. I got to get myself a, a windy bobblehead. And let's give you a sense of what these may look like. Did you see uh, Bart Scott? That's what, we that's what we want this one to look like. It should have the fingers up, right? should have the windy fingers. But you don't want to get done like they did Bart Scott. Did you see Bart Scott's? He was not at all happy with that. Oh, that's, man, no, I don't blame him. It's not a flattering <laughs> not at all. representation. And, and uh, let's see, there's one of me in here as well. That's What, what do you think of that? I don't think that's a great likeness uh, of you, Greg. No. I, don't, I don't think it captures your handsomeness. I, really I like don't, that stance. <laughs> I like that yeah, stance, yeah. Greeny. That's 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 like my, your coaching. That's my 15-year-old aspiring boy band member stance. Um, anyway, so we are looking forward to Wendy's bobblehead night and much more. As we continue back to football, we will go. Justin Fields in Pittsburgh. One Steeler legend doesn't like it. You need to hear from Terry Bradshaw, and you will. Plus, giant questions in New York. Should the Giants try to trade up? to get one of the star quarterbacks. We're talking about it as we roll on. It's a Friday. It's Get Up on ESPN. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from $25 and under to $100 and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. 
So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Back on Get Up, it's a football Friday. Let's do a Friday forecast. Let's do some bold predictions for this offseason. Tim Hasselbeck, give me a bold prediction. Well, I'm going to look at Minnesota, and I'm going to say, rather than it being a reload, it's a rebuild, and that means Justin Jefferson, who wants to probably reset the wide receiver market in terms of contract, but he gets traded. So I think you look at Kirk Cousins being 36 years old, coming off of an injury. You don't get him. Move on from Justin Jefferson. Accumulate picks and rebuild Minnesota. That would define boldness for sure, but I don't think it's outlandish. Uh, Graziano, how about you? Give me a bold prediction. This one kind of ties into Tim's. I, I predict that the that Kirk Cousins will sign elsewhere, will leave Minnesota, and uh, and they will trade up in the draft to get their quarterback of the future. I think these two moves could be tied together. If Cousins isn't going to be there, I wonder if Justin Jefferson is going to want to be there, uh, and and vice versa, honestly. So uh, a lot a lot going on, a lot to figure out in Minnesota. All eyes on the Twin Cities. Tanada, how about you? Give me a bold prediction. Greeny, Justin Fields to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and this makes Pittsburgh meaningfully competitive in the AFC North with all those weapons they have from Jalen Warren to Deontay Johnson and Pickens way better than whatever he had in Chicago. I think he plays better, and it makes the Steelers a lot better. I'm glad you went there because I I wanted everyone to hear Terry Bradshaw. Terry, of course, the Steeler legend, and and he's had a complicated relationship with the Steelers since his departure from there. But whatever it is, he's on a show yesterday, and they asked him about the team's decision at quarterback, in particular about Fields. Here's what Terry said. I'm going to say this for the 10,000th time this year. Surround not only Kenny, but any of these young quarterbacks, the kid and, uh, with the Bears, um, surround them with talent. And they're going to beat him up, and they're going to want to trade for Fields in Chicago, and I say that's a huge mistake. You don't need Fields. Stay with what you got. Uh, just build him up. Get him another receiver. Get him an explosive tight end. Have the ability to protect him. So that's Terry on, on our friend Rich Eisen's show, and, and that's an interesting perspective. I mean, I think they have pretty good weapons, right? Is, is he? Yeah. Does that make sense to you? No, I totally disagree. Justin Fields is a better football player than Kenny Pickett. The numbers back it up, as Hembo reminded me, 20% more explosive plays from Justin Fields. And when you look at what Arthur Smith in particular did with Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee in the two-year span over 2019 and 2020, Ryan Tannehill led the NFL in yards per pass. 
And I think Justin Fields has a very similar skill set. I think the Steelers are really scary if they could add Justin Fields, who has a much higher ceiling than Kenny Pickett. If I'm not mistaken, Justin Fields is actually younger than Kenny Pickett also. Yes, he he's is. been in the league longer, but I think he's actually – someone said this morning that he's, he's nine months younger. younger. He's nine Tim, months give me the evaluations. Give me the QB quick read. Uh, yeah. you know, Fields versus Pickett. <laughs> Yeah, look, Grinny, you're exactly right. I mean, look, he has – there's talent in Pittsburgh, so th there's part of the evaluation. He was supposed to be a ready-made prospect, to your point about his age. He was, you know, older than a lot of guys that were drafted the year prior to him being drafted. I think everyone in the first round, he was older than them. So he was this ready-made prospect. Through two years, he's thrown 13 touchdowns and 13 picks. That's not good enough for a guy that was not a developmental prospect. He started 24 games in the pros. He's thrown more than one touchdown in a game just one time. The, Mike T is exactly right. The ceiling is way higher with Justin Fields. And because of the unique situation in Chicago, the fact that you could get your hands on a player as talented as Justin Fields to add to your already talented group, especially on the offensive side, I think makes all kinds of sense. Talk to me, Graz. Yeah, I agree. And I think that word ceiling is the key here, right? Because we still don't we still don't know on Justin Fields. Like we have to we haven't seen him flourish. We know what we know we've seen flashes, but we've also seen, you know, some some of the issues that he's had. So he needs to develop further. But what he does do is make you scarier. And you're playing in a division if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, where every single team had a winning record and three of them made the playoffs. You need a higher ceiling offense in order to compete and, and get where you want to go. And I don't think Kenny Pickett is is scaring defenses. I don't think I don't think he makes you hard to play against. And Justin Fields would, even if you wanted to build the run game right around Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. Like that changes if you put someone with Justin Fields' running ability at quarterback. That makes it a lot a lot harder to play. So I think Terry Bradshaw is not thinking as big as the Steelers need to be thinking at the quarterback position. Greedy, there's a massive sense of urgency. If I'm the Pittsburgh Steelers, I've probably already talking to Ryan Poles and the Chicago Bears because I know Atlanta very likely is in this as well. And if I'm Pittsburgh, I got to get Kirk Cousins. I have to either get Justin Fields or probably trade up from the eighth pick. So those conversations are happening right now. When we get to Indy next week, these deals will be finalized. And when you deal with the complexities of the salary cap, a cash budget, draft choices, those conversations take weeks and weeks and weeks. So I'm sure they're happening right now, and I think Justin Fields will be traded by next week. That, that, that's the point that I was making when I said in the open, uh, Justin wants it over. It will be any time now. Next week is when that deal got done with the Bears last year, and I think we expect it then. And to me, as far as do you want to trade for him, look, it's pretty simple. If Justin Fields this year was available in the second round, wouldn't every team be desperately trying to get him? Well, he's available for a second-round pick, we think, yeah, right? Probably. I mean, that, that seems... I think that would get it done. A, a sec yeah. We think a two and something, right? Like a two and a four or well, something like that? that's where it gets interesting. Where's your two, right? If, if Atlanta's offering a better second-round pick than Pittsburgh is, then what does Pittsburgh have to offer to make up that difference, right? So, But I do think a second-round pick is what the package gets built around. Tim, give me a final thought. Well, think about it this way. If the Bears were picking, I don't know, 15 through 20, would, would, would they even be in the quarterback conversation of no. replacing Justin Fields? They wouldn't no. be. So is he, you know, worthy of a second? Yeah, like, yeah, because they would be totally fine keeping him and building around him if they weren't picking at the very top of the draft. The team acquiring Justin Fields is going to exercise the fifth-year option, roughly $22 million. So yeah. 
in the cost certainty aspect of this as well, like while you're giving up a second round pick for two years, you're paying him a very reasonable amount of money. Yeah, it's like 22 million in the second in, in the second year and six million this yeah. year yeah. or something. So for two years and 28 million dollars, you're seeing what you have in Justin yeah. Fields. And if it works out really well, then you sign him to the contract and you're happy to do it. All right, we continue in a moment. I've got today's green list, and it is a fascinating one. Which NBA star is under the most pressure in the second half of this season? The top of the list is going to surprise you. It's on the way next. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. All right, we are back at the bottom of the hour. Timmy Legler, get in here. Watch this eye candy. Take a look at Kyrie Irving. Watching that game live, and I didn't know exactly what he did with the basketball until they showed the replay. The fact that that ball stayed in his right hand for the scoop and the English (laughs) to kiss that thing off the glass. What an incredible finisher Kyrie has been throughout his entire career. Yeah, no one does that better than he does, maybe, that I can ever remember seeing. You're right, that ball stays in his right hand. And up and good it goes. Let's actually run the floor and let's start with their game last night. Luka leading the Mavs to a win over Phoenix. Luka had 41. Is Dallas a legitimate championship contender? I've been saying it since the trade deadline day with those acquisitions. Absolutely they are. They look kind of scary right now. They played that way again last night. But in perspective, what Luka Doncic is doing right now, he's generating 59 points of offense per night for his team. That's what he is doing between scoring and assists. And right now, the, uh, I think the rhythm between he and Kyrie, better than it's been since he got there, they look legit that they can make a run. Yeah, Luka certainly going to get in the MVP conversation. Speaking of which, Nikola Jokic, another triple-double last night. Do the Nuggets remain the team to beat in the West? I'm going to say yes because they're the defending champ and they're still good enough to repeat. They haven't really lost anything critical. They're healthy. I think the Denver Nuggets absolutely have to be considered that. You're going to have to go through them. You're going to have to go through Jokic to win the Western Conference, and that will not be an easy task, even though there are a number of teams that are loaded that can make a run at them. You still put them as the top. All right, and then we talked earlier about how the East has basically become the Celtics' invitational. They're 44-12 and 12 with another win last night. Is it championship or bust in Boston? Absolutely. I, I'm not exactly sure ever what that term means. Is you going to blow the whole thing up? No, but what I'm going to say, the way I interpret that is this. It's a failure if they don't win. Everything is lined up for, the, for them to win. There can be no excuses barring a major injury to one of their key guys, and even then it might not be enough because of the depth that they have in their starting five. That's the best starting five a group of two-way players in this league. 
Everything is lined up for Jason Tatum to finally break through and win a title. All right, so then let me use that to segue into today's green list. So this is my top five, and it's the first basketball green list I've done so far this season. These are the five people, and I use the word people, not players, under the most pressure in the second half of this NBA season. At number five, I'll put Anthony Davis because, of course, he is. We all saw it last year. Anthony Davis is basically in every other game force but he played well enough and LeBron played well enough to get that Laker team out of the play-in all the way to the conference final can Anthony Davis be a consistent force for the Lakers down the stretch and into the playoffs if so they can make a run all eyes are always on AD and number four I'm going to put Zion I don't know how much attention you're paying to what they're doing in New Orleans but they are legitimately good do you know how many playoff games Zion Williamson has played in in his career none the last postseason he took part in was March Madness. Is Zion ready to actually, for the first time in his NBA career, put a team on his back and make New Orleans a team worth watching? And number three, I'm going to put Jason Tatum for exactly the reason we were just talking about. Tatum is talking about wanting to be the face of the NBA. The, the Celtics are championship or bust. You win the whole thing, and then Jason Tatum, maybe you are the biggest star in the sport. You lose somewhere along the line, your coach probably gets fired, and the questions get louder than ever in Boston. At number two, let's talk about Kevin Durant. We mentioned this yesterday. Durant talking about his leadership style. At the end of the day, Kevin Durant needs to cement his legacy. One championship outside of Golden State. He might be in the right place to do it. He might have the right teammates around him to do it. Legg said yesterday, one title in Phoenix would equal at least the two that he got at Golden State. There's all the pressure in the world on KD. But at number one, it's not a player. It's Doc Rivers. You step out of the broadcast booth under the circumstances that he did and go to the sideline in Milwaukee. We've all seen how badly it has started. Now that will be long since forgotten if it finishes strong. But if this thing goes sideways, if Milwaukee, after the enormous acquisition of Dame and the midseason coaching change, if this thing goes badly, I don't think the blame goes to Giannis. I'm not even sure the blame goes to Dame unless he plays really badly. I think the blame will go to Doc Rivers. And so there you have it, the five people, legs, come on back in here, the five people in the NBA under the most pressure as we head down this stretch. Anthony Davis, Zion, Jason Tatum, KD, Doc Rivers. Wendy is with us this morning as well. Talk to me. For the most part, I love the list. I think there is one major omission on this list. And you alluded to it, but you went in a different direction. I agree that Doc Rivers belongs in this. Damian Lillard absolutely belongs in there because of his track record historically. Being in Portland all those years, never coming close to a final. The day you got paired up with Giannis Antetokounmpo, you expect to win a championship this year. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to be a failure because they've got more years going forward. But in this season, it would be a failure. This is the best opportunity he's had. He's finally on a team where he's not the best player. He's got to rise to the occasion. He's got to be great. He can, he's got to be better than he's been so far for the Bucs, by the way. He's had moments. It hasn't been the consistent level of excellence. Look, part of that is because he's working out this new rhythm with a guy that casts that kind of a shadow. I get it. It's not easy. And there's a coaching change. All that's true. Bottom line is Damian Lillard went there for a reason. He's going to have to deliver. So I think Lillard belongs on that list. I think Paul George also potentially could have been on that so list. So Paul George was number six. <laughs> we were talking about him at length. And when Hembo and I were putting the list together, Wendy, we basically decided we're only going to put one person from per team yeah. on the list. And we chose Doc over Dane because, as you said, 
Dame and Giannis, we think, will have other chances together. Doc, the circumstances of this, look, Doc Rivers can do whatever he wants to do. If he wanted to leave the broadcast after that short a period of time, and go, God bless him. I'm not sitting here ripping him for doing it. However, it's going to look awful bad. And we've seen, you know, J.J.'s comments, all the stuff that has surrounded that. If that thing goes sideways, Wendy, I think it is going to stick to Doc as much as it sticks to anybody. Well, it depends, Greeny. Do they lose in the first round to a play-in team like they did last year to the Heat? Do they go seven games with the Celtics, who are a superior team, and then lose? Do they get up in a series, which has happened with Doc repeatedly in his coaching career, and then blow it? It just depends. I, I think with the complete team that the that the Celtics are, the Bucks are underdogs. I don't care if Red Auerbach was their coach. It would take a lot of them to get to the finals or some fortune. I will go back to the when the Dame Lillard trade happened. The day it happened, I said, but where is Drew Holiday going? The advances that they made in that trade were nullified largely by Holiday going to their opponent. You can't forget that. Yes, Doc Rivers has got to get this team in shape. This 3-7 and seven start is not acceptable, but there's a whole lot that's got to happen between now and then before we can really evaluate it. Quarter number two, talk to me about the pressure on Kevin Durant for this to be the time with this team, with this supporting cast, this group in Phoenix, particularly Devin Booker. No doubt about it, and particularly with all just the negative attention that Kevin Durant has garnered because of the situations he's been in and the failures of those teams. Everything's lined up for him. Like, this could end up being such a prolific offense, it can overcome any defensive deficiencies that this group might have. That's how good these three guys have been together when they're on the floor. It's really actually mind-boggling how good their offense has been when they all play. Beal out again last night, so if they ever get a sustained stretch, we'll see. This team is good enough to win the Western Conference on paper. They have enough to do it. Kevin Durant's going to be have to be the guy to get them through those big moments in those big series against other star players. You know, you're just making me think about it. Because if you look at the Western Conference contenders right now, Wendy, you've got the Clippers. They look good enough. Yeah. You've got the Mavericks. They look good enough. You've got the Suns. They look good enough. Who will be the last man standing? And the Nuggets. <laughs> from, well, but I'm saying from the ill-fated Brooklyn oh, trio. Oh, gotcha. The Nuggets gotcha, are the gotcha. best team, right, clearly. Right, right. The Nuggets, forget about the Nuggets. Gotcha. They're the best team. But I'm saying from the ill-fated trio in Brooklyn, Who's the last man standing this year? Is it Durant with his sons? Is it Kyrie with his Mavericks? Or is it Harden with his Clippers? That's a fascinating question. I will tell you that right now, only one of them is in the play-in. And right now, after last night with the Mavericks beating the Suns, you know, Durant is in the play-in. And, uh, you know, it's hard to evaluate the Suns because they've had so many injuries. But if they're in the play-in and they got to deal with LeBron and Steph in that potential situation just to get into the playoffs and then not have home court, that's a tough road to hoe there. I, I think the Suns really will be more evaluated next year when they can build this team up, but Kyrie has got to be happy with his situation, and you know James Harden's happy with his. What do you think? Of, of those three guys... Who's the last one standing this year in May or even June? Man, if you asked me that question three weeks ago, I would have said definitely Harden because of how good the Clippers look and how good he looks and comfortable in the lane he's in there. But now I'm telling you, I'm falling in love with this Dallas team. You've right been now. talking about the Mavericks all morning long. Uh, they just There's an electricity about them. I watched them last night. There's a belief that they have right now. Luka is playing harder defensively. Like, he's setting more of a tone. He's willing to lay it on the line on that end. I thought it was always a bad example for his team how little effort he gave to that end of the floor. He's playing harder on that end. 
The chemistry between those two guys looks great. And they went out and they added pieces. They're deeper and they're bigger in the middle. They're more athletic. All the things they lack. And then you've got this guy in Luka Doncic. Who controls a game to a greater degree than Luka Doncic? Nobody. So I'm kind of falling in love with the Mavericks right now. So maybe I would lean toward Kyrie. It's going to be a very interesting stretch run in the NBA. In the meantime, today is ESPN's All Access Day. And we're with another of the Western Conference contenders. One that doesn't get the attention as well as they've played all year long. And that is the Minnesota Timberwolves. Steve and Ann company are there. We'll hear from Steve later. But earlier this week, this is fascinating. Listen to the Timberwolves mic'd up at practice. Let's go, let's go right here. Weak, weak, weak. You good? Pop. Right here. Coming off. Oh, got it. It's just a testament to these guys working to get better, sacrificing, being driven and passionate about winning a championship. I'm back. I'm back. As long as we continue to stay focused on the prize at hand, I think that we have a chance to do something great. Wolves on three. One, two, three. Wolves. They're a team not to be overlooked. Again, it's Timberwolves All Access Day today. We'll have Stephen A. live from Minneapolis today. And then during first take, Stephen A. and Molly will have Carl Anthony Towns live. All Access Day on ESPN finishes up with the Timberwolves as part of a terrific doubleheader. First, we'll have the Cavs and the Sixers. Then it'll be Giannis and the Bucks taking on Anthony Edwards and Minnesota. Coverage tips with NBA Countdown 7 Eastern on ESPN and the ESPN app. Back to football for us next. Reeling and dealing. How Big Blue could be the group that shakes up everything at this year's NFL Draft. We'll explain next. Every baseball season, April 15th brings a reason for celebration. On this day in 1947, Jackie Robinson made his debut for the Brooklyn Dodgers, breaking Major League Baseball's color barrier. Robinson was named Rookie of the Year in 1947, NL MVP in 1949, and won a World Series with the Dodgers in 1955. There's a reason why his number 42 is the only jersey retired across the majors. Robinson's role in rewriting the script of America's pastime is eternal. We are back on Get Up, and Graziano brings us overreaction Friday. So I'll make a statement, and you tell me if that statement is an overreaction. If I said Russell Wilson is going to be a starting quarterback for someone next season, is that an overreaction? I think it's an overreaction to assume that. I I think there's a lot of variables here. He's going to make $39 million, fully guaranteed from the Broncos, whether he plays or not. So to me, if he has to go somewhere and fight for a starting job, are we sure he's going to want to do that? If it's a situation he doesn't love, are we sure he's going to want to do that? He doesn't have to play if he doesn't want to. Uh, As Mike T has said several times over the past week, we'll find out how much he wants to. Well, that's the point. The math on this is once he gets cut, and we assume that he will, the money is his. Yes. And then the choice is, is to do whatever he wants. Tim Hasselbeck, what do you think? Is it possible that Russell Wilson has taken his last snap as an NFL quarterback? I think it's absolutely possible because of what you just <clears throat> talked about. Look, he's, by the end of this upcoming season, he'll have made $300 million playing football. The idea that he would go somewhere and you know play for 1.1 and have no security that they would definitely keep him if he plays poorly or that he'll win a job, like I just it's a lot of humble pie. It's a lot of humble pie to eat when you've made that kind of money. 
Mike, I mean, how did this happen so fast? I'm old enough to remember when the acquisition of Russell Wilson in Denver was supposed to be the piece that put them over the top, and they traded a million picks and gave him a trillion dollars, and no one was sitting here saying, what a disastrous, terrible move. How did it fall apart this quickly? I think there's two parts to that equation. One, the expectations in Denver weren't met. Obviously, Nathaniel Hackett got blown out. And then you look at what happened in Seattle. They were better without him. Geno Smith has played good football. He's been less expensive. But again, the other number here is 66 quarterbacks started last year. Like, it's hard for me to believe that he's not in the league. But Tim makes a great point. Like, he has to prove that he loves the game and truly is going to play for the love of it. Seattle front office knows what they're doing. They, they looked ahead and said, he's going to want a contract extension. We don't think he's that level of player. Let's move on now before it's too late. And they look great for doing that. Oh, absolutely. Greeny, I do think there's like a non-obvious answer here. Like, again, it could be, I've obviously mentioned the Jets, but even like San Francisco, the Rams, someone's going to say, hey, for a million dollars, come on in, Russell. Like, be with us for a year. So, like, I think this has a ways to go to play out. That, that makes sense. The question is, does he want that? Right, right. You know, if you're Russell Wilson and you're accustomed to being a superstar, like, borderline face of the league, are you going in there to back up Matthew Stafford? Are you going in there to back up uh, Brock Purdy? Or right. whatever the case may be. We're going to find out a lot as that thing goes forward. All right, back to the overreactions. Uh, Graziano, if someone said Arizona is in the best position of anyone in the first round, is that an overreaction? It's not. They're picking fourth. They're, it doesn't seem like they're going to take a quarterback. It seems like the three picks in front of them are likely to be quarterbacks. They're going to be able to get the best non-quarterback they want. They're going to be able to get Marvin Harrison Jr. at number four if they want. I, th I think Arizona is set up nice. The way Kyler Murray came back and finished the season for them last year was the best thing that could have happened to them. There are three really good receivers at the top of this draft. He's considered to be the best, but there are two others, so we'll see. Finally, one more. If I said the Giants are going to draft a quarterback in round one, is that an overreaction? It is not an overreaction. I think it's entirely possible the Giants look to draft a quarterback in the first round, whether that is at their current pick number six or whether they trade up, try and trade up into that top three to get one of those guys. Daniel Jones is under contract. Uh, he's got $34 million coming fully guaranteed this year, but they can get out of that deal with very little pain if they want to after the 2024 season. I think the Giants, if the right prospect is there at quarterback, will make a move to get Well, it. and I have um, this week been saying that the right prospect for them would be Drake May. When we look at Brian Dayball, Brian Dayball became an NFL head coach. Because of the work he did with Josh Allen That's in true. Buffalo, right? He's, he had the quarterback whisperer kind of label. And I, there are issues right now with Brian Dayball. He went from coach of the year to coach on the hot seat pretty quickly. This feels like if the Giants could find a way to move up aggressively to three where Drake May may be sitting, that feels like a real nice fit to me. 100%. The other name you hear comp there is Justin Herbert because Drake May is big, strong, and athletic, Greeny. That makes a ton of sense. Here's what's so fascinating to me is – New England at three, do they keep Mac Jones for a year or do they want to move on? If they want to keep Mac Jones for a year, they can move back to six with the Giants. And the other team, Greeny, is Atlanta at eight. Let's just say that Justin Fields goes to Pittsburgh and let's say Kirk Cousins resigns with Minnesota. Things that could happen. Now all of a sudden, if you're Atlanta at eight, I think Atlanta at eight um, and the Giants at six going up to New England will be fascinating to watch. Talk to me, Tim Hasselbeck. I know how big a fan you are of Drake May. Yeah. Yeah, and so you look at a lot of these mock drafts, Greeny, I think it's why you're saying, like, look, if Drake Mays at three, okay, like, what you know, you've talked about the Giants, as, you know, Mike just, you know, referenced. The other thing is, like, I think New England, yeah, I think he, I, I think 
he's that talented that like everyone should be if they can get to the point where they can draft him they should take him so when you look at the Giants and you talk about Brian Dayball and you talk about you know kind of saving your your job or, or getting that label of being able to work with quarterbacks to to put it in perspective in terms of size, athletic ability, arm strength. There's some rarefied air in the National Football League. And it's Justin Herbert and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes in terms of like the combination of those traits. Drake May, when he enters into the National Football League, is in that rarefied air with, with those traits. That is, that's a lot to, to work with. That's a lot to be excited about being able to work with. And so, yeah, to me, that ends up being an absolute no-brainer if he's still there at three. One of the other conversations that's come up this week, our colleague Matt Miller, who is our one of our draft analysts, he tweets at NFL Draft Scout. He basically, not basically, he tweeted that the Patriots shouldn't draft a quarterback because they are not organizationally right now prepared to develop one. That they think, he thinks, it would be setting them back that they should trade out of that spot, accumulate more picks, put a little more infrastructure in place before they go out and try and get a quarterback so they don't bring someone in and have it turn into the disaster that we've seen with, you know, insert name here, Zach Wilson, et cetera, et cetera. What do you think of that as a former GM? What do you think of that concept? Yeah, I totally disagree. You can get Drake May turn in the card. You get Drake May and you build around him with offensive linemen as quickly as possible to protect him and you build skilled players around him. But if you can get somebody like Drake May in this draft, to Tim's point with that ceiling, you just referenced – it's Josh Allen. Like, you don't pass on Josh Allen. You build around Josh Allen. So let's not overcomplicate it. I think for the Patriots, Greeny, what you can't have happen is this. You can't have Mac Jones and keep the third pick. If you have the third pick, you take a quarterback. If you trade back, then you get a bushel of picks, and you leverage Giants at six and the Falcons at eight. And that's really what they need to do. Real quick. I will say, in terms of what Matt Miller said, there are teams that feel that way. I know Mike disagrees, but there are definitely front offices that believe that the best way to do it is to build the infrastructure and then add the quarterback. I'm not saying they're right, but there is that feeling around the league in some places. Okay, rolling on we go. We'll have much more football as we continue here. Don't miss our spring training schedule that rolls on this afternoon with the Dodgers and Padres squaring off again three Eastern on ESPN and the ESPN app. As we continue, Chef Steph cooking up something special. Why curry might just be the recipe for the season's second half. That's next. 